Okay, Offsiders, welcome back to week two of the Offside Talk podcast. All right, Fats, let's uh, start off this week by talking about, you know, the big game, the Super Cup, the game that my team won, your team lost. Congratulations to Liverpool once again. I've said it to you guys throughout the week. Um, to be honest, the better team won. It was a clear indication, especially the second half, of the difference between the two teams. T- Chelsea did get off to a better start in the first half. I agree with And you. I think Liverpool sort of adjusted to it. They were caught a bit off guard with the way Chelsea played, trying to get through the lines, playing those very simple balls to get behind Van Dijk. But they came out second half like the Champions League team that we saw last year or early on this year. Yeah, but I think you're a little bit harsh on your team. I mean... Coming off a 4-0 win off Manu in the... Um, 4-0 loss. Yeah. Coming off a 4-0 loss. Coming into the Super Cup, I mean, they showed in the first half. And I think what Liverpool didn't see coming was Kante. Um, yes. Completely held the midfield. He was just... Man, he had a castle built there. He was just... No one's getting through. I'm passing the ball around here. This is my playing area. Um, he opened up so much space. A goal was disallowed. Um, I think if Chelsea's... That goal was onside, and I think it was clearly offside. If it was onside and it went 2-0, it might have been a different story. Um, but definitely, as you said, Liverpool came out better in the first half. This could be, you know... Second half. Sorry, second half. Uh <laughs> This could be due to, you know, halftime talks. I think the substitution of Firmino had a big, a lot to do with it. Oh, yeah. F- Firmino changed the game, second half. I think they scored within, what was it, two minutes, three minutes into the second half. Yep. It was Firmino because Mane, Firmino and Salah, that was the Champions League winning front three. The trio, yeah. That's right, the trio. They were the ones throughout the season that was considered the lethal attack mm-hmm. and they got the they got the job done. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Chelsea performed bad. Yeah. It's a work in progress. Yeah. That's why a lot of Chelsea supporters don't seem to realize this. This is a new coach with a transfer ban working with players that wasn't in the English Premier League all season, last Mm -hmm. season, I should say. You have Tammy Abraham, who's been on loan for two, three seasons, still working his way up. You have Mason Mount, still working his way up. We started this. We started the game with Giroud as striker. Yep. I mean, that just showed an indication of what Chelsea currently have. Yep. Now, Giroud has scored, I believe it's 12 goals in 13 games in Europe. Okay. But I don't think Giroud is the answer for our striking ability. I believe it is Tammy Abraham, but it's going to take time. He did miss the penalty, and a lot of supporters are giving him shit for it, but he's 21 years old. Yeah. 20, 21 years old. It's going to take him time. Drogba didn't start scoring the moment he got to Stamford Bridge. People were considering him a flop. Now he left a legend. Yeah. But Liverpool... You can see that they sort of sort of fixed up their defensive issues that they had in Norwich. They played like they were playing Norwich. Their defense was Norwich style, if that makes sense. They were playing to the pedigree of the team that they were versing. Yeah. Now, when it came to Chelsea, you saw in the first half, they weren't there yet. Oh, no, the centre-backs were lost. I yes. mean, there was runs being made, and they didn't even know that there were players running behind them. Exactly, like... Very simple balls were getting behind Van Dyke, yep. and the uh, the unlikeliest of heroes, Adrian, pretty much kept him in. Yeah, he did give away the penalty. Look, as a Chelsea supporter, 
whether that was a penalty or not, whether he touched him even just the slightest, only the keeper and Tammy Abraham will know. The replays don't suggest that. It doesn't look like a penalty, but he saved the penalty that mattered at the end of the day. And it made the game a whole lot more interesting as well. Yeah, exactly. You did make the game a lot more interesting. From a fan's perspective, I mean, especially with Ohms being in the crowd, um, yep. I think... For the fans, it was a it was a better showing. Um, Ohms was messaging us while the penalty shootouts were happening. He's talking about I've never been this nervous in my life. I mean, you could see the atmosphere getting worked up. And talking about the atmosphere, um, pulling that way a little bit. This game for Liverpool was a, it was an almost home game. I mean, 80 percent of the crowd were Liverpool supporters. The, the stadium was completely redwashed. Yeah, you can see clearly on the um, on the broadcast that majority of the stadium was red. Yeah. Every time Chelsea got the ball, they were booing. Yeah. Now, I reckon this is sort of connects with Liverpool's 2005 campaign when they won the Champions League at Istanbul. Yep. And you can see how much Liverpool is loved there. Yep. And coming back for the Super Cup now, you can clearly see that Istanbul is red. Oh, yeah. And and Klopp made a mention of this after the game as well. And he said, you know, this is, this is our special city, you know. Um, Plenty of history here. Yeah. Plenty of history. They won AC Milan in such... Amazing fashion. 3-0 down, 3-3 to take it to penalties, extra time and penalties. And now you won the Super Cup on penalties as well. Yep. You can see that Liverpool's probably favourite place is Istanbul after Anfield. Yep. Let's talk about positives for, for Chelsea. I mean, man, when you saw them playing the Man U game, I mean, when you look at that, that score, you think, oh, it was a completely dominated you think game. it's a whitewash that Man United suddenly became the new Barcelona or something Definitely, like that. Definitely, but I think they were so unlucky. Um, Abraham came off the post in that game. Um, and, you know, talking off air, we talked about how the fans were giving this guy so much shit. Um, and we've mentioned it in the podcast as well. I think the Chelsea supporters need to get behind this guy. I think there needs to be support. Um, you're only going to bring down a young player's confidence by doing this to him. And in a, in a, in a season that you can't make transfers, you know, and... You're going to rely on this guy. It's it's time to get behind him. Yeah, they do. They have to rally behind the team considering what's happened. They can't buy players. And you do have a youngster who's putting amount of amazing effort on the pitch. Mm-hmm. He's putting all the effort that he possibly can. Within three minutes into the Premier League campaign, he could have already had a goal against yep. Man United. He hit the post. It wasn't a, it wasn't a deflection. It wasn't a lucky shot. It was an amazing strike that hit the post. Yeah. That's what it was. Yep. Now, we do see some positives. I mean, dragging the European champions to penalties, yep. whether it was... Great saves by Kepa. He did save that double shot from, I think it was Van Dyke, and I couldn't remember the other Liverpool player's name, and he pushed it onto the um, the post. Yep. Or Liverpool just not taking their chances. But from the 4-0 Manchester United game, which exactly what you just said, wasn't the score. The scoreline didn't represent what happened. No, it didn't reflect the, what the, first the game half, was it like. It could have been three one, two one, Definitely. Chelsea, easy. Yeah, and take away that penalty, it could have been two three nil. Yep. But the biggest problem that Chelsea have at the moment is the defense. Yeah. Now, Aspilicueta isn't as fast as he used to be. Isn't as solid as he used to be. He he was working with David Luiz, my Marcus Alonso, who well, left last minute in the transfer window. Correct. So you got Aspilicueta now on the right, and you've now got two players who haven't had that much time in the Premier League recently, due to one being injuries or just no time with Christensen and Zuma. 
and now they're leading the defense for a Champions League team. Mm-hmm. So Frank Lampard does need to fix that defense. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. I think it's also good in a way that we versed United, we versed Liverpool because we see the issues. Yeah, it's it's all it's only up from here. Yeah, you either fix those issues. Or we're going to be copying these games and morale's going to get worse and worse and worse. And with the upcoming game against Leicester this weekend at Stamford Bridge, your first home game for Frank Lampard, it's going to make a big difference if we lose that game another 4-5 nil washing because mm-hmm. of that defense. I don't see it happening, but, you know, there's always a chance that they could go down 2-1 or 1-0 or whatever it's going to be. You know, um, and they need, they need a win. We they, do need a win. Um, preseason wasn't the best. They did manage to get the two-one win over Barcelona, mm-hmm. uh, but preseason is preseason. I don't think Liverpool won a game on their no. preseason, but they have a, they have a European trophy now. Uh, yeah, but um, just I think both games, Liverpool playing Norwich on the on the weekend and against Chelsea, you can definitely see some defensive um, work needs to be done. Uh, they did. They do have defensive issues, yeah. Liverpool, but it's not issues to, okay, we've got to go spend $60 million in the transfer market. No. It's nothing like that. No. The defense that you have, which was you got Robertson on the left, you got Matip, Wijnaldum, not Wijnaldum, uh, Van Dijk, and Alexander-Arnold, mm-hmm. okay? That's your Champions League winning team. Yeah. So, I don't... I reckon it's just early season. Wait for them to just get readjusted to the season. You saw, like I said, you saw it in the second half. Yeah, they were putting players offside. The physicality was there. Yeah, they as soon as the ball, they tried to um, run behind the players. They were, their physicality was shown. Yeah, Pedro getting pushed off the ball, Mason Mount getting pushed off the ball, Pulisic was getting pushed off the ball so easily. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's what they were. We didn't see that against Norwich because it was it was more of an attacking football. Yeah. You were having two, three defenders at the back, but it's not something where you have to go and, like Ohms has said, we have to go or Liverpool have to go and spend money in the market. I don't think so. I reckon just give it a few more games, they'll find their gel, and then you'll forget that you had any defensive issues. I reckon no injuries, no problems for Liverpool. Yeah, and well, they've already got one with Allison out for so long now. But Adrian just proved himself. Yeah. At a big stage too, he didn't verse a, he didn't verse a Watford. He didn't worse. Uh, no disrespect to Watford, but they they didn't verse a team that was in the Premier League at home at Anfield. Yeah. You played away in a European Cup. Yeah. Fine off a European Cup, and you won it. And and he was tested. Exactly, he was tested. He was tested. He was tested many times, and he proved himself not only at at a big stage, but also with guiding his team. Yeah. So I, I reckon with Allison being out, I believe it's four to eight weeks or four to six weeks yep. or something like that. I reckon Liverpool are in safe hands with Adrian. Yeah, and I think it's a big sigh of relief for Liverpool supporters because there were question marks flying around people's heads after the um, injury last week. So reassuring to see it. Um, he's definitely going to need the help of his defenders coming together, obviously. Um, but I, as a Liverpool supporter, I'm not too worried about not having Allison for a while. I mean, it would be great to have him, but uh, he's one of the best keepers in the world. Yeah. He's he's also one of the biggest reasons why. You guys won the Champions League. Yeah. The reason why you perform so well in the Premier League. Yeah. But I reckon once he comes back and you, your team's starting to regel, become who they are, they are the European champions, they will start to play like European champions again. Yeah. Uh, just an interesting point. 
in the Super Cup game when Mo Salah had the ball on the right-hand side, there were three or four defenders on him at one point. So I think, coming back to your other point, I think the trio... I think they're they're not as as strong without three of them being on there. When Flamino came out came on, the pressure sort of lifted off the other players and they started to find find more space. Um, there was like I said, Salah was taking a shot in the first half and there were four defenders on him. Well, do you blame them? No. Last, the last time Salah was on the right, he pulled to his left and he shot from 25 yards out and went to the top left corner. Yeah. So I can understand why they're defending him like that. He's not. He's not a pushover player. Yeah. You, you give him the opportunity. That ball's going in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Now, with Vermigno on, it was it was the trio. Now, Alexander um, Oxlade-Chamberlain, sorry, when he was on the field, you can sort of see he's there, but he's not there. Yeah. And I think that's more to do with his injury. Yeah. Okay. He did come towards the later end of the season last, um, at the beginning of the season, sorry. Uh, sorry, at the beginning of the year. And... He didn't get that much game time, and then he went straight into the break, the uh, the off season. Mm-hmm. So I reckon give him a bit more games. Oxlade will be fine in that position, but the front three, especially Origi now, yeah, now, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think it's a trio. I think it's um it's a quad now. Yeah, Origi's Origi's wasn't the greatest player that Liverpool had. No, and then. I think Klopp is just molding him now. Yeah, he stepped up in the Barcelona game, even when he came on. Um, I believe it was in the final. You can see his presence straight away. Even in the Norwich game on the weekend, um, he 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 was making a big difference on that left hand side. Exactly right, and I think Liverpool, from an attacking point of view, barring no injuries, even if one or two injuries, I think they're covered. Yeah. But all in all, you know, congratulations to Liverpool. And congratulations, Liverpool. Unfortunately, it's another bad Super Cup final for Frank Lampard. Maybe, you know, That's three will, times he ever now. Break it? will he ever break the bad spill? We will, we'll have to find out. <laughs> all right, so before we get back into the Premier League and how we went with our predictions last week and the upcoming fixtures, we do have some of the major leagues starting up again this week football is starting finally football is back in motion now we'll start off with the La Liga now the big three you got Barcelona Real Madrid and Atletico Barcelona kicking off the La Liga Australian time 5am tomorrow morning they'll be away to Atletico Bilbao or Athletic Bilbao I should say Uh, Real Madrid will be playing at 1am Sunday our time they'll be away versus Celta and Atletico Madrid will be at home Versus Getafe, 6 a.m. Monday. Now, these three teams won't change in the La Liga. They will be, I reckon, the front runners for years and years and years, especially Atletico Madrid. Back in the days, it was Barcelona, Real Madrid, one and two, mm-hmm. and three, four, five, six was always Valencia or Atletico, uh, sorry, um, Atletico Madrid or Sevilla and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But I think Atletico Madrid has started to put a major pressure pressure on these two teams mm-hmm. now my prediction for the La Liga winners I think Barcelona have this now they did sign Griezmann what was 120 million pounds or euros yep um, I think that's a major push towards their attacking uh, perspective to their team whether they can fix up the, the defensive problems that Barcelona have always had they've always relied on beating teams 4-5-0 and not worrying about their defense. Yep. So I think they sort of did fix that with De Jong, buying, buying him from, Aja- um, sorry, from Ajax. Now that was a 
that was a pretty expensive purchase from their angle as well. So I think that was a, a statement that they did to fix up their defense. Mm-hmm. So I think Barcelona will take it out. Now, as an ex-Liverpool, not ex-Liverpool, as a Liverpool supporter, I should say, um, Emin, what do you think? Do you think Coutinho should leave Barcelona? I mean, he's not getting much playtime there. Uh, there was there was big talks about him leaving on loan or whatever. It didn't end up happening. I think that he needs to leave. Um, I don't think he's going to get the amount of time that he's hoping for. I reckon that you're right, he should leave. Yeah. There was rumours, like you stated, um, I think he was loaned to Arsenal yeah, or loaned was, to Liverpool or something yeah. like that. Um, whether he's going to leave or not... Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, he's not going to get the amount of time that I believe he thinks he's going to get, especially with the players that they've bought for the attacking part of the Barcelona team. It looks like he's just completely shut out. Uh, in a team like Barcelona where finance is not a worry, hmm. I think you can afford to bench a guy like Coutinho. But the more games he doesn't play, the more time he spends on the off the field, the more value this guy is going to lose. I mean, from a financial perspective for Barcelona, it's better to get rid of him. Uh, definitely for Coutinho, it's better to get rid of him. Maybe the La Liga is just not his style, you know? Because in the in the EPL, he was doing fantastic. In the EPL is working brilliantly, especially that that major season that they had uh, the the front three for Liverpool, uh, Sturridge, Coutinho, and Su- uh, Suarez. Mm-hmm. They were they were. Attacking nightmare for defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he's going to come back to the Premier League or whether he's going to get a big money move, it could be PSG, it could be China. Um, I, I, I don't see him working his way into the team unless one of the major players in Barcelona injured or just don't perform. Yeah. I don't. I can't see that happening with the way Suarez, Messi have that relationship. Mm-hmm. And now you got Griezmann who is... Who comes from La Liga yeah. and is one of the major players there's for Atletico. Be, there should be very little adjusting time for Griezmann there. Correct. Now, whether there's a relationship issue with Suarez and Messi, sorry, Suarez, Messi, and Griezmann, we're going to have to wait and find out. But I think Barcelona will walk away with it here. I mean, there's talks of Neymar coming back as well. Um, and if Neymar does come back, I mean, it's only rumors. Then it only just pushes Coutinho closer to that door. I think there, there is. Um, Messi has stated that Neymar, he's in contact with Neymar um, constantly. Is um, they, I believe they even have a, a specific WhatsApp group, just Suarez, Messi and Neymar. <laughs> so you can clearly see that Barcelona would be the best choice for him to return back to. Talks of him going to Real Madrid as well. Exactly right. I mean, look, connecting to Real Madrid now with their transfers that has happened. Now, the talk of Neymar, I think Neymar would is one of the greatest players in the world. I reckon if you take out Ronaldo and Messi, Neymar would be in the next two, three spots. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. But his attitude, his attitude and his ego. Now we've seen what's happened at PSG. You can clearly see he's not playing there for PSG. He's playing there for, for the Neymar. Mo- for Neymar. Yeah. For the money. I mean, for a player who's got a clause in his contract to clap to the fans after the game that he gets paid to clap to the fans. You can clearly see his heart. He, he does not give a shit about PSG. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you really want a player like that? Do you, do you want a player to pl- in your team with that kind of attitude, with that kind of ego? It, and, and he left Barcelona with a big ego as well. Yeah, he, le- he left thinking, I own Paris. 
Yeah. But Paris is going to be my team. Now, what didn't work out for him is you do have a superstar like yourself, Neymar, in that team. But if you look on the other side of the pitch, you now have a youngster who's a World Cup winner now with Mbappe. Mbappe, yeah. And he's not he's not a pushover player. He's one of the he's one of the up and coming absolutely amazing players on earth. And determined and fan favorite. Exactly. Now he's got something more than he does, a World Cup. Yeah. And connecting to the Real Madrid transfers, whether Real Madrid get Neymar, I think that would be the most the worst decision for Zidane because Zidane at the moment is still trying to figure out his team yeah. now in my predictions I did place Real Madrid as second mm-hmm. I with this is a big call even though I'm saying it's a big call to put them second because their preseason like we Shocking. discussed like exactly exactly how we discussed off um, off air has been horrendous yeah now we got, they did buy Hazard now Hazard is doing what he does, which is being overweight in preseason. Okay, he's done that at <laughs> he's Chelsea. He's a fat slump. He's done that at Chelsea many times, and it did cause a few issues. As the season progresses, he does find his form, but we do know that the Real Madrid supporters are ruthless. Yeah, you give two, three bad performances, you are getting booed off that pitch. Yeah. They're booing Gareth Bale. They start. They even booed Ronaldo at one stage. Yep. So whether they're going to give him the chance to go two, three games, no goals, minimal dribbles, getting tired that easily, we're going to have to wait and find out. Well, I think Madrid fans only want one thing, man. You play for Real Madrid. They they want the championship. You're, you're not playing for second. You're not playing for third. Um, just just on the while we're talking about Hazard, I I I followed a few of the preseason games, and I know you know how much those preseason games really weigh, you know, and how, how serious do these players take it, but. When he was playing against Fenerbahce, a game I watched, there seemed to be a lack of confidence for him. Hazard didn't want to take these shots that usually he would take on. Um, you know, he, he was timid in the 18-yard box. See, the, the problem with Hazard is this. He knows how to run the ball, okay? Hazard, in my eyes, is one of the best players, don't get me wrong, I reckon single-handedly ran Chelsea's season last year from an attacking point of view. Yep. But he doesn't score the goals. He's not a he's he's not a Ronaldo substitute. He's not a Neymar. He's not an Mbappe. He is the type to run pass pass goal. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the type to put the ball into a position and give it to the person to score the goal. Yeah. Now leading into the last transfer, sorry, the first one of the first transfers that they did was Jovic. Now a striker that they bought specifically for the striking role. Now, there's talks that Zidane wants to loan him out. He came in this season for, I believe it was 50, 60 million pounds, and you're talking about loaning him out. So you can clearly see that there's issues there. Oh, there's definitely issues in Real Madrid. And not just in the attack. Their defense is atrocious. In some of those preseason games, people just, teams walk through them. Yeah, and Sergio Ramos did declare, I believe at the end of last season, that he wanted to leave and then suddenly did a backflip. That's going to cause a bit more issues too because you start losing games, you're going to want out. Yeah. Now, in my opinion, I did, like I said, I did rank Real Madrid as second, but I think Zidane's going to get caught out here. I, I, I personally think so too. Uh, if we're talking about our predictions like you, I had Barcelona first. I don't have Real Madrid in second. I have Atletico in second. 
I think there's too many there's too many issues with Real Madrid at the moment. I mean, you, you bring back Zidane to try and fix these issues and it doesn't seem like it's resolved. Um, a couple of losses, like you said, is going to start to affect team chemistry. Uh, if you bring in a guy like Neymar with a massive issue, like ego problem, as we just discussed, it's just going to make those problems even worse. I don't see Real Madrid getting second place this season. That's what I put as a big call to put them second, but we're going to have to wait and see how the season progresses. If, if Neymar does transfer to Real Madrid, I think it's another massive headache for Zinedine Zidane. Zinedine, look, Zidane is riding off his three consecutive Champions Leagues. Okay? That is why he got the job again. That's right. But did Zidane really win it? Did Zidane really... Was he the one that's running the show? Yes, he's the manager at the end of the day, but look who was playing on the left wing in, that, in all those games. It was the man of the moment, the man of the Champions League. Ronaldo. Ronaldo. And, I, and personally, I think that since Ronaldo has left... They Real haven't Madrid replaced haven't him. Really not, I don't think you can replace Ronaldo. He, world's best. But I don't think they've come up with a solution of how to play anymore without him. You have, you have someone as big... Ronaldo played, you know... The biggest, the biggest, uh, the biggest games, the biggest games. Not only that, he's your impact player. And you take away Ronaldo, I don't think they've found someone to create chances. They haven't found someone who can, you know, run that. And and you can see that Real Madrid is hurt because that number seven jersey, it's we, gone to. He went to Hazard now. Yeah, exactly. So we're gonna see if Hazard can perform. Can he perform like Ronaldo? No. No, as a, I, as a, as a, they're two very different players. That's right. As a Chelsea supporter, no, he can't. Hazard does not have the physicality. Does not have the leap like yeah. Ronaldo does. You put Ronaldo in the box, he can he can do a bicycle kick. He can jump three meters above a player and head the ball. He yeah. can literally do his own work and that ball going in the net. Yeah. Hazard is a bit more limited. Yeah. Now, whether Real Madrid thought about this, whether the fans actually think like this, we're going to have to wait and see how the game goes. I was going to say, I think the fans are going to expect some goals from Hazard this season. Oh, look, it is a, La Liga is not as... You can see that with the certain players that are playing there. Goals are a lot easier to come by. Whether Hazard does that and he can get maybe, you know, 20, 25 goals in a season from that position that Ronaldo did play, it could work for the fans. But I think come Champions League, Zidane's not going to have that impact player like you said. Now, Ronaldo in Champions League knockout stages is the man. I put If, if I put anyone above Ronaldo, sorry, anyone else below Ronaldo when it comes to Champions League knockouts. Even Messi. That's when he shines. That's when he shines. He is Mr. Champions League. He shines in two things, Champions League and in international fixtures. That's it. And to be honest, throughout the season as well. Yeah, of course. You can't take that away from him. But for Zidane to to come away with a fourth Champions League, I highly doubt it. Even if they bought Neymar. I highly doubt it. Mm -hmm. So moving on to my third team, which would be Atletico Madrid. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish second. I wouldn't be surprised if they drive Barcelona all the way to the last game of the season. I think uh, Diego Simone is a lot more, a lot more, what's the word I'm looking for with this team? They're a lot more composed. They're a lot more molded, yeah. if that's the better thing. Now, they just did a massive transfer. Now I'm excited about this one. Now, while Felix, if I'm saying his name wrong, I apologize. For 113 million pounds, this guy has had an amazing preseason. They even versus Juventus, where he won the game for them, and 
He's the future of Portugal. The world was looking at this kid when he was playing at Benfica last year in the Champions League. He just showed himself. That's right. And that's why Atletico paid the big bucks for him. Now, he's considered the future of Portugal. He's considered the future of Atletico. And it doesn't seem like he's slowing down at the moment. Um, if Especially if he's playing in the Portuguese international team. You've got a, you've got a coach like Ronaldo. Another attacker, one of the best of all time, teaching you exactly what to do. He doesn't have that physicality that, that Ronaldo, Ronaldo has, has, no. but I believe he's got the agility and the ability to put the ball in the net as he pleases. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my top three, Barcelona, Real and Atletico, I reckon I'm leaning more towards your predictions now. Which is Atletico second. Well, we'll just see how it goes. I mean, transfer season's not over for Spain, obviously. Um, That's why they've got so a few more weeks. So we don't know who, what's going to happen with these transfers. We don't know what's going to happen with Barcelona's transfers. Are there going to be injuries? No one knows. But just as a gut feeling before the season starts, I'm hanging Atletico higher than I am with Real Madrid. That's a fair call. All right, that's it for La Liga. Now, moving on to the Bundesliga, which is starting with Bayern Munich versus Hertha Berlin. That is 4.30 a.m. tomorrow morning, Australian time. Now, this is a two-horse race, the Bundesliga. Yeah. And I, th- I think the Bundesliga is actually on their way down. I mean, Big there, w- there was a time when Serie A became, that was at the, sorry, when Serie A was the top where everyone wanted to watch Serie A, when all the best players were in Serie A, and then it dropped. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the transfers. They didn't have the amount of flair in the league anymore. And they switched to more of a defensive role, and Serie A died. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Bundesliga's on their way down. I mean, we look at the two teams, Bayern Munich and Dortmund. Yep. Now, Dortmund gave them a bit of a run last year. And I, th- I personally think that they'll take it out this year. They did flop towards the end of the season last year, which yeah. gave Bayern Munich the ability to come back in. But regarding any other team to challenge these two teams, I, I don't think it's possible. No. It's, um, they, the trans- even with the transfers that's happening in Bundesliga, it's not something to, for people to go, wow. And I think... The the general players in the Bundesliga are just aging. I mean, you've got Robin who's, who's left from you know. Yeah. Um, with him, uh, of course, uh, Frank left. Ribery left. Yep. And you look at the top players in both Dortmund and um, Bayern Munich. In Bayern Munich, yeah. they're all aging. That's right. Like we look at the transfer. One of the transfers that Dortmund did this year was Matt Hummels. Now, Matt Hamels went from Dortmund to Bayern Munich. Now, from Bayern Munich, back to Dortmund. And that's what seems to be happening. They're all bouncing. That's right. Or it's Goethe just happened the same thing, yeah, back and forth. Exactly. And it seems that now these... Before, it used to be Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich used to pretty much treat the rest of the league as their pretty much youth team. Yeah. Or another team that we can just pick a player and buy him. That was the case. Now, Dortmund has put themselves in a bit of better position... They do. Have, I reckon, in my opinion, they do have a better team with Jordan, um, with Sancho, absolutely killing at the English international. Yep. But I, I, I personally think that it's a it's a league going downhill now. Bayern Munich, the best defend, uh, sorry, their best um, transfer was a defender. Yeah. Um, they lost so many attacking players that they haven't even replaced them properly. So I personally think Dortmund will take the league out. Um, Bayern Munich probably a sec- close second. I don't expect Bayern Munich to do well in the Champions League. I think they can get easily overrun, especially put uh, a quick-paced team against them. Dortmund maybe. 
they do have a more youthful squad. They do have more of a, a team that seems to be gelling a lot better than Bayern Munich. So I do hope that Dortmund takes it out. Yeah. I, to be honest, it's it's the league that I'm least interested in and, and, and excited for. And no offense to the Bundesliga, but you got a two-horse race, like you said. For, for a couple of seasons now, they've just been bouncing players off one another. I don't hear any big transfer rumors around these two teams either. There's no, you know, there's no anticipation of a big player coming. Uh, I'm the same as you. I think Dortmund will take it out this year. Bayern Munich in second, but I'm gonna be honest on air. I'm not really excited for the Bundesliga. Yeah, and I think Bundesliga, yeah, like I said, is on their way out. I think an even worse league to talk about would be the League One. It's it's PSG. Yeah, it's a, mean, it's a one-horse race in that one. It's literally a one-horse race. Even if Neymar was to leave, it is a one-horse race. They're, I think PSG are using the league pretty much just as trial games. Yes, they lose one, two, three games here and there. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. But their aim is Champions League. But you look at you look at their team and their team is probably more valuable than every other team put th- combined together. It's probably more valuable than the entire league. Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely is. Um, but with League One, like you said, I, I don't really follow it all that closely, but I think I will this year because of Lille. Um, Lille has acquired Yusuf Yazaji from Trabzonspor. This guy's like Turkey's next up-and-coming player. Okay. So he's exciting to watch. And he's also playing there with another Turkish player, the defender, Um uh, Medi Demiral, I think it is. So two Turkish players being in that team, I'm excited. And their kits, I know Ohms thinks that my 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 preference in kits is a little bit weird, but I like Lil's kit this year with the pink and blue. I'm excited to see some Lil games this season. Hopefully they can work their way into the team and hopefully get out of that shitty league. Yeah. <laughs> and like just just on the League One, Uber Eats bought the naming rights for the next, so not this season, the two seasons afterwards. Yep. Okay. Now imagine playing in a league that's called Uber Eats League One or League One Uber Eats. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's pathetic. It literally is. Imagine, imagine Uber Eats Premier League. Yeah. Like you, you want to seriously associate yourself with that. Yeah. I think if they wanted to build a class of league, if they wanted to move forward and say, you know what, we're going to make this league where people around the world want to watch us, get rid of that name. What is is it because they've offered the most amount of money? Is this become a money thing over quality of? Sp- it would be a money thing. Yeah. It would ex- it would definitely be a money thing. Now Premier League used to be the same. It used to be called the Barclays Premier League. Yeah. Now Barclays compared to Uber Eats. Is is a next? Yeah, even sounds better. It's yeah, exactly. There was there was a ring to it. There was a sense of classness to it. Now, unless you want to start saying the menu log Bundesliga, it's (laughs) it's going to end up being like it's it's, yeah, it's it's absolutely horrendous. I think that I don't know. Uber Eats and football have nothing in common, unless you're watching the footy at home and you've you've ordered food to eat. there's a reason why it's called the Premier League. There's a reason why it's called Bundesliga. Yeah. It's because you want people to know what you are. There's a certain amount of class associated That's right. with it. You want you want people to go, this is a, a proper organization, mm-hmm. okay? We're not talking about other sports. We're not talking about, okay, the NBA decides to call themselves something else. The NFL decides to call themselves something else. Or like McDonald's National Football League. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it's just stupid. Yep. It is just stupid. So I'm not going to bother discussing League One. PSG will take it out. If it doesn't, I would be, I would be surprised. 
I would be majorly surprised if PSG don't take it out and by a major distance. All right, let's let's take Neymar out of this team. Name out of this team, they still win by a mile. <laughs> They're still in front by a million kilometers. Mbappe will, will will tear those defenses in 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 France. Yep. Leading into a league that I follow very closely, Sport of the Super League, um, the Turkish Super League, of course. Yep. I am excited this season. I mean. Look, there's a lot of problems with the Turkish teams at the moment. There's a lot of financial stress. You've got teams like Trabzonspor, um, even Besiktas, who hasn't made very many transfers. And out of the four, I think Besiktas is in the best financial situation at the moment. Uh, I mean, definitely as a Galatasaray supporter, I am very excited about this season. We have some amazing transfers. Um, just in the preseason, look, Galatasaray in the preseason never does well. Uh, especially with a manager like Fatih Tedim who puts on a lot of youth. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of teams, uh, not a lot of new players coming into this team. Need some time to gel. Uh, I am excited about Emre Mor. Uh, he came from loan, yep. Yeah, he just in the preseason games, the amount of speed he's brought to this left-hand side. I mean, Fatih Tedim has played him in the middle as well. Um, I think he's going to be an interesting prospect to watch. Uh, now they do kick off the season. Uh, Galatasaray do play away to Denis the Sport. Now that game would be Australian time, three thirty a.m. tomorrow morning. So the champions do get off to a an away start. So do you think that they'll walk away with the three points? <sighs> Look, Denis the Sport has been out of the league for nine years. Um, I think they're going to come back with something to prove. They've made some pretty decent transfers. I mean, one of their transfers was coming in from the EPL. Um, it did bounce. I can't remember who it was, but you know, a team that's newly promoted to be chasing players like that. Um, Denzel Sport have an amazing fan base over there. The fans are absolutely crazy. It's going to be a hard game. And Galatasaray in the last couple of seasons, they've had a real away, you know, phobia. Um, they don't like playing their away games. Um, Feguli, who was the big, you know name in the championship last season he's just had a kidney stone removed so he's missing out on the first game um Galatasaray of course having problems with Jagne they've wanted to transfer him um so whether Jagne plays with full passion we don't know um so pretty much missing a striker like they did last season I think Galatasaray will win the first game but it's not going to be you know an easy game for them. Speaking of striker, do you reckon that they'll get Falcao? Oh, see, upon recording this, there's talks about Falcao already, you know, accepted. Um, but this has happened before in the past as well. A few seasons ago when there was talks about Falcao coming, they said that he was his, everything's organised. So uh, according to rumours now, he's agreed on the contract. Um, there is going to be a payment made to Monaco. Uh Especially with Henry Onyekuru coming and a couple of other signings to Monaco, it looks like they're going to let him go. But at the same time, the coach talks like he has Falcao in his plans. So I reckon we, we will, because as a Garcia supporter myself, I reckon we will get Falcao. Monaco did sign a striker from Sevilla. That's right. So uh, I reckon, ben Yedda? I, I believe so. Yeah, Ben Yedda. And I believe that that will just push Falcao off. Yeah. Because you're either going to sit on the bench or you're going to seek first-team football. Garcia is in the Champions League, so that will help his cause as well. Um, so I think Falcao, give it a few days, maybe even tomorrow morning, might get the signing. Hopefully, and, and he's been talking about how much he's, he's um, shocked by the fans' interest in him. Um, I think he could create another Drogba effect in Istanbul. It could be, yeah. I mean, Garcia do welcome their supporters 
in manners that can only be seen in maybe a handful of teams across the world. Yeah. We fill, they fill up the airports. They fill up the stadiums. They buy the jerseys left, right and centre. They will support this player through thick and thin. And as, as the, the team bus pulled up in Denizli this, this, this morning, there were chants of Falcao. We want Falcao. So... Um, the fans want him. There's a lot of pressure on the on the, on the um, directors and the board. Um, I think that this, if this transfer doesn't happen and Galsara is left with Jagne, I think there's going to be a bit of a misconnection between the the board and uh, and and the fans. Um, just while we're we're finishing up on uh, Galatasaray, even if he doesn't come, Galatasaray has made some amazing trades. You got. Uh, Jean-Michael Steric coming through from the EPO. Um, Ryan Babel coming from Fulham in the in the preseason. He's played amazing. And he's such a versatile player. They can play him in the striker role. He's been playing in the left wing, the right wing. Um, Jimmy Durmas on the right wing has been really impressive. He's taking the free kicks. He's taking the corners. This guy's really stepped up. Arden Buke has scored two amazing goals. Um, if I was to talk about my predictions, I've got Galatasaray taking out another championship this year. Uh, I've definitely just looking at the transfers. They've made the transfers. They've already had a strong team last year. Pretty much from last year, all they're missing is Henry Onyekuru, who I think will be replaced by Mdemor if he keeps up. I think Galatasaray's got another championship in the bag this season. Yeah, I agree with you with that one. I mean, Galatasaray seem to be doing majority of the work in Turkey at the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, Fenerbahce did have a horrendous season last year. Mm-hmm. They have the chance to rebuild. They have the chance to move forward. They have the chance to go back into the top four, maybe even the top two. So we're going to have to see how the season plans out for them as well. Now, with me, I've got Garcia winning the championship as well. They're working their way slowly towards the five stars, hopefully. I do think that the top two will remain the same. I think Istanbul Başakşehir Sport will be number two. Okay. I think that they will stick to second place. I think Fenerbahce will work their way up, but I don't think that they will come third. I think Besiktas will still stick to third place and and Fenerbahce sneak into the fourth spot there. Yeah. Uh, talking about Basak Shahid, I mean, they've lost their captain, Emre Belezolo, who's gone to Fenerbahce. Um, just in games last season where they didn't have Emre Belezolo, whether it was for injury or suspension, Basak Shahid just didn't have a midfield. So, you know... As much as uh, I don't like Emre Belezola, and I'll say that clearly on air, um, you got to have respect for this guy. Like, what is he, 39 years old? He's still in the national team. He's still an impact player for teams like Başakşehir. you still got Fenerbahçe wanting him to play in your team. Um, I think Fenerbahçe won't have an atrocious season like that. I mean, they've made some good investment. Vedat Muric coming in from Chaiko Rizespor. This guy had like 12 goals and eight assists last season. So um, I know Galatasaray wanted him. Last second, there was talks about him actually signing for Galatasaray. Last second, he's gone to Fenerbahce. So I think Vedat Muriki, he's going to be really good. They've got Denis Turic from Sport, who's, you know, an up-and-coming star. Um, well, he, he's, he's aging now, but he's, he's really put the foot on the pedal in the last couple of seasons. And the biggest... The biggest burner for Galatasaray fans is Gary Rodriguez. Now, Gary Rodriguez was sent, uh, sold to Saudi Arabia for $9 million in a time that Galatasaray, of course, with the transfer ban, they can only transfer and buy what they've sold. So they sent Gary Rodriguez away for loan to um, Saudi Arabia. He's come back to Fenerbahce. Now, if I was to talk about Gary Rodriguez, you know, that in Turkey, they call him the son of the wind because he's just quick. But... At the same time, when Gary Rodriguez was at Galatasaray, 
before fights is heading, put him into where he is, he wasn't even on the first 11. So whether he's going to be able to step up and be in the first 11, uh, 11 in Fenerbahce and make an impact, I don't know. I've got Fenerbahce coming in at second this season. And I, I and I honestly hope so. I mean, without Fenerbahce and the Galatasaray rivalry, the Turkish league is dead. Yeah, I agree. And it seems that Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, and if you want to include into a Beşiktaş, it's those types of teams that are allowing Turkey to have two spots in the Champions League. One automatic and one a qualification. Now, if these do, if these teams don't do well in Europe, these spots are going to go. Yes. So if we don't have these spots, if we don't have these teams, these spots going is just going to end up destroying the Turkish league. Yep. So fair enough. If you got Fenerbahce second, now we do know what happens to t- players that go from Galatasaray to Fenerbahce or vice versa. So I think Gary Rodriguez on his return to Türk Telekom. Is going to be a very, very bad time for him. <laughs> it's going to be. And, you know, you've got Gary Rodriguez there. You've got Vedat Muriki, who was supposed to sign with Galatasaray. Last second went to Fenerbahce. You know, you've got Denis Turic, who was supposed to come to Galatasaray. There was talks about him signing, managers talking. He's gone to Fenerbahce. And then you've got Emre Belezolo, who, you know, we already know the history behind that. Galatasaray Turk Telecom Arena is going to be on fire this season. Look forward to that game. <laughs> I'm going to put Besiktas in third. Um, and they haven't really made too many transfers. Like I said, they got Tyler Boyd um, as the left winger. Douglas is the right back. He played for Sivaspor last season. Uh, he was a big impact player for Sivaspor. But I think the problem with the Turkish league is when these... These Anatolian teams, when we when big teams like Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, or you know, uh, Besiktas buy players from the Anatolian teams, they just don't perform at the same level. So it'll be interesting to see how Douglas goes. Of course, he's coming from Barcelona, you know, big team behind him, and Trabzonspor, um, John Michael Obi, of course, you know, player to look out for. I think my it would be Galatasaray first, Fenerbahce second. I'm going to put Besiktas third because they've got an aging team, not too many transfers. And Trabzon, you know, Trabzon's hard, but they've lost Yusuf Yazıcı. So their main player from last season is gone. I'm going to put them in fourth. I don't think Başak Şehir is going to be contending for the top four this season. Okay, Fats. Uh, let's talk about the Premier League from last week. Let's talk about results. Yeah, there was... um. Some big scorelines last week. A lot of goals for the opening week of the EPL. A lot of goals, especially one major shock in my opinion, Brighton winning away at Wofford. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people expected that. Now, we have two Aussies that play in that team, Aaron Moy and Matt Ryan. Yes. Beautiful result for them, especially away. Great start for them. Yeah, um, I didn't have Brighton winning that, I think, in my predictions. I don't think many people had Brighton winning that game. To be honest, I even started off with Brighton in my um, relegation race. Yeah. Now, the the European champions got off to a good start. 4-1 away to Norwich. Sorry, at home at Anfield against Norwich. Yeah, it was a good opener. Good opener. We did sound out that there was a few defensive issues when we were talking about the Super Cup. It was expected for Liverpool to win 4-1. I think that they'll move forward and get um, results similar to those types of scorelines at Anfield. Mm-hmm. So uh, even though they considered that one goal, defensive mistakes can happen and I think will be fixed up as the season progresses. Yeah, something that was interesting is uh, with the new rule change of the um, goalkeeper being able to take, pass the ball to a play in his 18-yard box, I think a couple of times early in the first half, Liverpool got caught out. I mean, if it wasn't Norwich, the, another team could have put those goals away. But as you said, first game back, it, would be, it was nice to open up in the Anfield. Uh, 4-1 is a great result at the end of the day. And with the Super Cup 
um, over now. I think they can focus on the EPL a little bit more and use that confidence to, you know, boost them into the season. Yeah, 100%. And like you just mentioned as well with the new rule with the with the goalkeeper passing within his 18-yard box from goal kicks and all that type of stuff. Now, City were caught out a few times as well. Yes. Now, they walked away with a massive win, 5-0 away at West Ham. And that that's just City being City, I think. Yeah. Champions being champions. And Raheem Sterling, I think you you, you got to talk about him. Um, especially his second goal, the speed that he went off that line. Um, game changer for City. I was a little bit upset when the, the penalty was being taken by um, Sergio Aguero. I thought, you know, give it to Sterling, give him his hat-trick. But he got one anyway. So, um, great game by City. It seems like the season almost... Continued where it left never off last for season. It yeah. never stopped for them. I totally agree with that. With Sterling, I think Guardiola is molding him. Mm-hmm. He's showing him his mistakes. He's showing him what he needs to do to be a dynamic player. And I think Sterling is doing exactly that. I, I can't help hating him being a Liverpool supporter, but um, I think he's grown a lot. At his oh, time to be honest, Man City. I, I don't even have to be a Liverpool supporter. I hate him because he's gone so good now. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? As a Chelsea supporter, the last thing I want is him running down the byline, scoring possibly a hat-trick against us. Yep. So, and a- we, we talked about the depth of you know their, their bench last week with Leroy Sane out to, you know, for what's suspected like seven, eight months. Um, if Raheem Sterling is like this, I don't think he's going to need to come off. Um, I think City... Supporters have nothing to worry about. They do still need someone. I mean, we know how the Premier League is. Mm-hmm. We know that it can be two, three games a week. You don't want to burn out Sterling. That's true. And That's Sterling true. needs his speed to become that player. So hopefully Sane has a good recovery. I believe he's out for quite a long time. So, But we know Man City's depth. Yeah. They have plenty of players on the bench. Now, I believe it was Jose Mourinho because he's now doing pundit for Sky Sports, they asked him, who do you reckon your top four would be? He said, Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, and Man City's B team. (laughs) And I I totally agree with him. If you look on paper what Man City's B team can be, they're all starters for the rest of the Premier League. And these guys are on the bench. Why? Because they don't make the squad. Mm-hmm. Guardiola makes the decision they don't make the squad now he started off with Jesus as striker but you have Aguero on the bench yeah. now you tell me where Aguero wouldn't start in any of the 19 teams that's right who do you play you play who's in form yeah. and that's what I like about Guardiola in a way it's you put the effort in at training you are starting the game yeah. or you're at least going to have game time um, Foden is an example he's up and coming through the Man City ranks and he's getting his game time now. And slow and steady, he was subbed on for the first game of the season. He doesn't want to burn him out too quickly. And I reckon he's going to be a major player come, come the middle of the season. He has to put him on. I mean, some of the, the comments that Pep's made about him, he's the best player I've ever, you know, had the privilege of working with. You know, he's, he's worked with Messi. So big calls for a young player. Exactly right. Now, City got with City getting off to a massive, thing, uh, massive win, now, we got another massive win that happened over the weekend, which was Manchester United beating Chelsea. Yeah. Now, if you watch that game, United didn't win by a 4-0 margin. Yeah. Okay, if you watch that game, it would have been 4-2, 4-3. On paper, it is what it is. They won 4-0. Yeah. It could have easily been 3-1 Chelsea at halftime. Easy. Chelsea, they're a bit... 
they're still molding. They're still getting there. Frank Lampard's still trying to figure it out. But that that defense to attack that Manchester United put together in the second half is excellent. Was mm-hmm. excellent. I mean, the reason why that worked was because they didn't have Lukaku. Yes. Lukaku moves to the Serie A. Now you've got Martial, Lingard and Rashford. And the speed on them. Oh, my gosh. It was, and it was simple. Simple movements. Now, Chelsea's defence is not the greatest. Yep. But Pogba launching the ball straight over Christensen, straight over Zuma, straight over Aspilicueta and Rashford chasing, no one's going to catch him. Yeah. Not at that speed. Yeah. I mean, you'd even, you'd even have... Virgil van Dijk struggling to keep up with Rashford once he's already set off like that. Yep. Now, one-on-one, it's very hard to pass van Dijk. But if they keep playing teams that keep playing the high line, that's exactly what's going to happen against Manchester United. A question for you as a Chelsea supporter. Let's put you know, Eden Hazard on that first 11. Do you think the result would be different? I think from an attacking perspective, you would have got maybe a goal or two. You would have had that that fear that Chelsea is going to attack really fast. You, mm-hmm. you would have had that, that there's a player on this field that can change it for us. I don't think that it would have changed the, the defensive problems that Chelsea have. Yeah. I mean, Kante didn't start the game. That was another massive blow oh, to yeah, Chelsea. Definitely. I think Kante is a massive blow to Chelsea more than what Hazard would have been. Now, Hazard would have been from an attacking point of view, which means no goals. But... Kante not being there, we copped the goals. There was no midfield. And, and and we saw this in the Super Cup game against Liverpool, the impact one player made. Correct. He, he was all over the pitch. There's always been sayings that when, from the Chelsea squad, that when they're training, that they feel like there's this, there's two Kantes on the field. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like that, I reckon, for some players. Now, I think Kante is sort of trying to prove a point as well. He has stated that, that he can play that role that Frank Lampard's putting him in. And the previous coach to Chelsea, uh, Sadi, said he couldn't. And he always put him more of an attacking attacking position and he was trying to make balls. But Kante started from the defensive and moved straight forward. And he kept mo- moving up and down within the midfield that caused all the problems for Liverpool in that first half. Yeah. Now, we didn't have that against Manchester United. As soon as Manchester United saw that in the second half, it was game over. I mean, it also didn't help. Pulisic didn't start. You had Ross Barkley playing in a position that was not his position. Yeah, unorthodox. Exactly. And hitting the post, everything pretty much not going your way. I think it was good to have a game like that against Manchester United to see what your issues are mm-hmm. rather than cop, rather than getting 1-0 win and then 1-0 win here, and then 1-0 win there, and then copying Man U, Liverpool, Arsenal, back-to-back, and copying five, six goals, morale's going to die. False sense of security as well. You feel like you're doing well, but you're only just scraping by. Exactly. Now, Frank Lampard, I reckon his job is secure. His job is secure unless he can't get a win within the next, say, four or five games. Then there's going to be questions. Is he the man for the job? Surely you you could get a result. Surely you could do this. Surely you could do that. But... I think he's fine for now. He's just got to do a few more changes. I think with the performance against the Super Cup, sorry, against Liverpool in the Super Cup, people should just just write it out at the moment. Mm. 
Now, Arsenal did also get off to a win as well on the weekend. But They've- not as convincingly as I thought. You know, we've got Arsenal very high up in our predictions. It's still early days. It is early it is, days. They is. need a lot of time to, you know. It's still early days. Um, Pepe didn't start. Mm-hmm. That was one of the major transfers that Arsenal did do. It was away to Newcastle. It's a team that needs to gel. David Luiz didn't start as well. So... Did they walk away with three points? That's what matters. Yeah. you gotta, you got to get the three points in those tough games. That's right. Now, you're going to be playing another game this week, and I believe that they are going for the for the front three, which is Aubameyang, Lacazette, and Pepe. So you put them three on, and then you realize that there's issues, or you lose the game, then you can sort of start asking questions. But it's still early days. Okay. Now... Spurs also got off to a win against big spenders Aston Villa. Uh, after going 1-0 down. After going 1-0 down, exactly. And Spurs just pulled away. Harry Kane just stepped up. That's As right. Some of those goals, oh my gosh, it's so smooth. I mean, you see a lot of those shots that he took. I mean, finesse, bottom corner. You often see them end up on the uh, the wrong side of the post. Exactly. And for a man that doesn't score in August, he's started scoring in August. Yeah. So... Spurs walking away with the three points there. Now for the rest of the um, for the rest of the round, Bournemouth drew one all to Sheffield United. Burnley with the three 0 win at home to Southampton. Um, Palace and Everton a draw, even though Palace was ten men for the majority of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the big the big shock: Brighton beating Watford away. Leicester and Wolves nil all. Wolves had a disallowed goal. VAR kicked in on that one with the new ruling of the handball. The new as soon as it touches the hand, the automatic no goal, which mm-hmm. is which is I reckon a good rule to have. Uh, yep, and that pretty much finished off the round next week. Uh, sorry, this week. Let's let's go into week two then. Let's not you know. Let's talk about our predictions for week two. Say it again. I'll cut that out. So say it because I just want to turn that. Turn your thing over to the page that are oh, you. I'm already on it. Yep. Okay. Say it again. All right, Fats. Let's um go into what we think of week two then. Yeah. Um. I'll start off with my predictions if you want. Sure. So first game would be Arsenal Burnley. I've got Arsenal winning. I reckon at the Emirates, they should get off to a flyer. I reckon if they fill the team that they bought this summer, they should be fine. Now Burnley does have a strong home ground advantage last week, and they won. But I think Arsenal will take it away at the Emirates this week. What about you? Did you have Arsenal winning I've on that game? I've got Arsenal as well. I mean, Burnley was impressive last week. But as you said, it's a home game. You're coming out to Arsenal, playing away. Arsenal, I, I think they're just going to get better as the season goes on. So I think, yeah, two, uh, plus win, two plus goals for the win for Arsenal, I think. Hopefully not, but we'll see. What did... Um, Next game would be Aston Villa-Bournemouth. Now I've got Villa... Getting their first three points. Now, Villa is the big spenders in the Premier League this season. And I think Bournemouth away, especially drawing at home, I don't think so. I don't think that, they, um, that they'll be able to walk away with any points at, at Villa. I agree with you. Um, Aston, even though Villa lost last week, I think they put on a good performance against Spurs. Uh, there was a couple of goals missed. My man Trezeguet, of course, um, missing a couple of shots. So I think Villa will take out Bournemouth at home. Yep. Uh, Brighton and West Ham. I think Brighton will 
grab some major morale boost, I should say, with their win last week away. Now they're going to perform in front of their home crowd against West Ham, who copped an absolute beating at home. I think a lot of pressure is on them to perform this week. But I think with the morale boost that Brighton have, I think they might scrape away with the win here. Now, just listening to you reason about this game, I think that I've made a wrong choice. Uh, I've got a draw between Brighton and West Ham. Uh because you know, I've I've got Brighton down as one of my relegation teams. Yeah, they surprised last week. Can they follow it up this week? Um, and I, I feel like with my tipping last week, I didn't put enough draws, and we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so I've got I've got Brighton and West Ham for a draw. Following it up would be Everton and Watford. Now Everton did draw away at Crystal Palace. Now getting a win, even though Crystal Palace was ten men, isn't exactly the easiest thing to do. But with Watford losing at Brighton, uh, sorry, Watford losing at home against Brighton, I think Everton should walk away with three points here. Once again, I think I've made the wrong choice. I don't know, you know, Watford lost heavily last week, but I've got them for a win. Maybe they've got something to show here. I could be taking a massive risk, but I've got Watford for a win. Watford for a win there. Uh, next game will be Norwich versus Newcastle. Now, Norwich coming off a 4-1 loss at Anfield against Liverpool and Newcastle coming off a 1-0 loss at home at Arsenal. I've gone to draw here. I think both teams are trying to find their footing still at the moment. Um, even though Norwich is at home, they are the new promoted team. I think a draw will be simple enough for both teams here. Uh, no- Norwich didn't play too bad against... Liverpool. I mean, you're talking reigning European champions, runners-up last year for the Premiership. They didn't play too bad. Um, just going with my heart, I think Newcastle is going to scrape through. Um, I've got Newcastle for a win. Okay, some reasonable. Uh, Southampton versus Liverpool. Liverpool travelling to Southampton. I think, even though they had the Super Cup, I think Liverpool slowly starting to show that they have a bit of depth in the team. Um, I'm I'm giving Liverpool the win here. Same, same. I think they'll be way too strong for Southampton. Southampton. The big game of the the round, City versus Tottenham. Now the champions getting their getting their first home game of the season. I think City will have a point to prove to Tottenham. They Tottenham, after the Champions League. After the Champions League, they did knock them out, and I reckon there's a bit of hostility still there, and I reckon City would like to. Show who the real champions are. I what? I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, uh, after Tottenham knocked them out of the Champions League last year, I think it was the week after that they played them in the Premier League, and they scraped through with a win, City. Yeah, but I think they dominated the game. I think there could have been more goals scored. I think that bad blood still between them. I think you know Man City still left with that sour taste in their mouth. They're out for revenge. I think I think they'll take this game. Yep, I agree with you, City, with the win there. Uh, Sheffield and Palace I've gone for the draw here now Sheffield's first home game and Palace doesn't seem like they're finding their right foot at the moment it, with Zaha's transfer problems that hope happened over the over the transfer period the, the, the Crystal Palace supporters did end up showing a full support behind Zaha pretty much stay stay behind us stay with us we'll do as the best possible so I think they're still trying to find the, the gel that they need to win games. So I, I'm going to go with the draw for Pal- uh, between them two. I've got Crystal Palace for a win. Um, 
I mean, you can't put a whole team on Zaha, but I think he's got to he's got to get over it, and he, <laughs> he's 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 got something to prove. I Me, mean, you want to play for those big teams, you got to back up a second season where you know you start the show. So I think he's going to start to set like he'll start to move on from this, you know, bad transfer thing and start stepping up for his team. I've got Crystal Palace for a win. Crystal Palace for the win there. Uh, next, my Chelsea. Now, I've marked them There's for, a new team, my Chelsea. My Chelsea. I've marked them for the win here. They are versing Leicester City. This is Frank Lampard's return to Stamford Bridge. Now, I've gone with the win, hoping that this is the morale boost that Chelsea need. Now, Leicester isn't exactly a pushover team. Now, they have lost Harry Maguire. They have lost a bit of a, a hole in that defense. But I don't think this is the Chelsea to really trouble Leicester even if they had Harry Maguire, even if they had the proper team, even if they had was it Antonio Conte's team or Jose Mourinho's team. I think with the team that Frank Lampard does have, Leicester City, I'm hoping, doesn't walk away with any points at Stanford Bridge, but I've got to back my team, Chelsea, with the win. I'm with you there as well. I think Lampard's team's got something to prove here. You know, you, you can't go in three games into the season losing. I think they're going to, you know, come out... Oh, well, three games with the Super Cup. Um, I don't think they're going to lose three in a row. So uh, Chelsea for the win here. I think it's going to be a comfortable win. Even though Leicester's not a pushover, Chelsea's got a lot to prove. And Kante coming back, I think it's going to be an easy game. Hopefully. And the last game of the round, Wolves versus United. Now, this is United's big test, I reckon. Now, they did beat Chelsea. Now, this uh, Wolves is more of a, a structured team here. They did draw against Leicester away, but I think Wolves at home is a different is a different ball game. Now, United performed the same way they did in the first half against Chelsea. Wolves will batter them. They will absolutely batter them. Now, I think Wolves will take away the win here against United. Sort of ground United back. Mm-hmm. Sort of give them a bit of a reality check. And maybe give um, Solskjaer a bit more a bit more work in his team, a bit more to find out what is the issue in my team. Let me see what I'm struggling with away at home. Let me see what I'm struggling against teams like Wolves. Now, we put Wolves in our top six. Yeah, so, above Man U, actually. Above Man U. So if United do walk away with the victory here and it's a comfortable victory, is United back? I would not say so yet. Mm-hmm. I don't have United anywhere near the top four. But I think Wolves should take away the victory on this one. That's a big call. Big call for Fats there. Wolves to take out Man United. I've got United to take the game. Last week, look, they didn't walk all over Chelsea. I mean, they did in the second half, but it was close in the first half. But I think they showed enough to say that, hey, we're, we're taking this season seriously. Look, as a Liverpool supporter, as a lover of football, I hope Wolves win. And, you know, I've got them in the top six. I did say at the start of the season that Wolves would be a team that, you know, gives big teams a run for their money. But I think Man U's got too much in this game. So you're going Man U on that one? Man U for the win. Man U from a Liverpool supporter. Now, in his absence, we do have Ohms's round two predictions. He's sometimes forget that he's one of the... Um, podcasters on this podcast he is he's enjoying his holiday at the moment he did provide us with footage which can be found on our instagram account yep. uh, from the super cup yep uh, but i'll give his round two predictions now so he's got arsenal for the win against burnley aston villa and bournemouth to be a draw brighton to beat w- west ham 
Yes, Brighton to beat West Ham. Everton to beat Watford. Norwich to beat Newcastle. Liverpool to win away against Southampton. Man City to beat Tottenham. Crystal Palace to win against Sheffield. Chelsea with the win against Leicester. And Wolves and Man U to be a draw. So one of us, or actually two of us, will be wrong in that game. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's good to see Ohms actually supporting Liverpool as a Liverpool supporter this week. How Last week, his tips were ridiculous. I mean, he said that Liverpool would what, draw, and he, he said that Man City would lose their opening game. Well, <laughs> speaking about last week's um, predictions, we do have the results in of how we actually went last uh, week. And I spoke too early because uh, Ohms has actually beaten me on the predictions. Actually, he hasn't. So, in third place, Ohms only got four out of ten correct. Okay. So, that would leave him with 40% of the, the, the predictions right. Now, that doesn't help him that he picked Liverpool. Sorry, he picked Liverpool and Man City incorrectly. Yeah. So, I reckon if he, if he used his brain a bit and went with the normal one, he would be above you. Hey, Omar, use your brain, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you got holiday brain, mate. Um, Nims, you finished... Um, 50%. Yeah, not the greatest result. 10. Not the greatest result. And leading is yours truly. Fats here. Congratulations, man. 7 out of 10. And it's not bad considering there were some surprises in that in that um in that week. Well, I had to pick I don't want to be too biased against Chelsea, so I had to pick the draw in that one. I reckon that cost me a point there. But <laughs> we'll see how this week's pre- um, predictions go. I think it's going to be a very um interesting round. It's going to Start pushing towards round five, round ten. Start having these teams start to mold and start working together. Definitely, and um, I think it's going to be a weekend of no sleep for me. I mean, look at all the leagues starting up, and we've got Galatasaray playing in the this morning. So that's a lot of sleepless nights for me watching these games. Yeah, we've got the major leagues starting as we've covered already, and we've got Serie A not starting this week, but starting the next week after that. Sorry, starting next week. Um, you got Juventus and Ronaldo as well. So football is definitely back. I think the only thing that's missing at the moment is the Champions League. And all that's left is to sum up our episode two. This has been episode two. You've been with Nims and Fats. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. That's Offside Talk Official. Hit us up with some comments. Let us know how we're going. Uh, if you have any questions, if you don't like what we've talked about, we're happy to answer your questions on the next, pod- next podcast. Uh, Till next week, guys, stay offside. Thank you very much for listening.